but social distancing wasn't part of the formula. Social distancing, flatten the curve, I didn't hear any of that language really until it kind of became popular in the West. South Korea has beaten back coronavirus with a very different playbook than America. Today, longtime resident Stefan Raymond will tell us how they're doing it. So anytime somebody was reported as infected, we would get basically a two or three day itinerary about them like they've been here, they've been here, they've been here from this time to this time. This is how they traveled. This is, you know, where they went. A key to that approach, widespread testing. The folks who wanted to be tested for peace of mind could still pay. The cost out of pocket was about $25 US. Hello again from the front yard in Queens, New York. I'm Brooke Silva Braga. This is Ahead of the Curve, our weekly trip into a time machine where we see what the COVID situation was like in other parts of the world at the same moment we are in now here in the US. Uh, and today what was, for me, a really interesting conversation with a Canadian uh, living in South Korea, has lived there uh, for just about a decade, and he's gonna be able to compare what the response uh, was like there and what it's like here. And, and what we're gonna hear from him is something that will be repeated in, in the weeks ahead from folks in other countries that have done uh, a good job combating coronavirus. And that's uh, the idea that they not only acted very quickly, but that it was led not really so much uh, by the government, but just ordinary people who changed their lives very quickly and very early on in the process. Uh, this conversation comes from March 30th. Uh, which if you're using the definition that we generally are of 100 confirmed cases in a country, uh, that put South Korea in week seven, uh, which is where the U.S. is now. So I think here we have this perception that, my goodness, South Korea did so well with this coronavirus response. Is that the feeling there? Yeah, I think so. From the beginning, it's not just been only the government. The citizens got on board really, really quickly. Like people just kind of naturally stayed home. Like there was none of this, you know, government having to tell folks like, oh, you have to stay home, you have to do this. It's happening a little bit now because it's been five or six weeks of this and people are getting bored and the weather is better. We yeah. just had cherry blossom season. Were people um, out for cherry blossoms? Um. I think the crowds were much, much smaller. Most people are exercising, you know, a decent amount of caution. Pretty much everybody wearing a face mask. Um, lots of folks wearing gloves and things like that. Um, not a whole lot of actual physical social distancing because two meters is kind of impossible in Korea. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah, so I was curious, you said the, the public uh, jumped on board. What did they jump on board with? What was asked of them? I don't think anything was specifically asked, people just kind of stayed home. They knew that going out and congregating and being in large groups and things was just not something they should do. So what the government did, the, the big move that the government did was to basically delay the start of the school year. So typically the school year starts in March uh, in South Korea, it follows the Japanese schedule. And then they said, no, we're gonna delay it by a week. And it's just been delay and delay and delay since then. And because I think Korea is so focused on education, people are like, whoa, okay, this is serious. Um, and so, yeah, people just stayed home. Nobody was going out. Um, Were restaurants so, open? Were bars open? Some voluntarily closed, but there was no government orders to shut anything down. And the same thing with kind of uh, 
religious ceremonies and churches and things like that, the majority of them did stop meeting, not all, but uh, most of them. So there's just been a lot of adherence to those guidelines or recommendations. Um, recently, I think people are getting a little bit stir crazy. And there's the sense that, you know, there's not large numbers being reported anymore in in Korea. So people are getting to the point of feeling really comfortable um, and going out more. And so kind of, you know, party districts like in Seoul have been a little bit more lively again. And um, churches started to have you know, services again. And so the government basically came out and said, you know, you can do that if you want. We really don't recommend it. And if you do it and people get sick, you have to pay. Like you're on the hook. What would they pay? For all the medical costs of anybody who's infected. At their church or in their restaurant? Yes, or as a result. So if, you know, it gets passed around their church and then that person goes out into the greater public and the uh, summary infections are linked back to that person. Um, it's my understanding that they would have to cover all of the, that chain of cost. That would be immense, wouldn't it? Um, it's, it's quite uh, exponential, yeah. Oh, um, wow. Okay, so, so that's uh, a good... Uh, you can open if you want, but <laughs> who's going to open under that circumstance? Or I wouldn't. A, f a few have. Um, and yeah, and I think some businesses are just doing it because they're at the point where, you know, if they don't try something, they're just going to die. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of folks that are really hurting financially. Well, it's interesting people are following these guidelines at all, given how little virus there is in the country and how little help the government's giving them. Um, so we had our first case of coronavirus around the same time as the U.S. actually. So I think South Korea reported it on January 20th, and then the U.S. reported it on January 21st, if, if my dates are correct. Yeah, and I then, think that's, that's right, the first case. But then they kind of grew right. a little differently. Yeah, so we had a situation where we had a super spreader. Um, so Korea has a lot of kind of shady religious groups um, and one of these meets in very large kind of mega church style congregations. But the situation when they meet is they're all seated on the floor very, very close together. And they're not allowed to wear anything like glasses or masks or anything like that, because according to their leader, it's an affront to God. So it was kind of the perfect opportunity for this virus to spread. Um, and so she was sick refused to be tested for the virus. She refused, I believe it was two times. And on the third time, they were just basically like, no, you have to, we're gonna test you. Um, and so she spread it to that congregation. Um, and then several, I think hundred of those people went out into the rest of the country. It's still amazing that they, they stopped the spread without a lockdown, without strict rules. When people look at the trouble that China had or the U.S. is having or Italy or Spain or now right down the list across Europe, right? how do they explain it that these other countries are having so much trouble and you guys seem to get off very easily by comparison? There's probably a few things if I had to toss a few out there. One is I'm always reminded of something one of my Korean friends told me and it's just kind of like... He said to me, you know, I believe that Koreans just have survival kind of bred into our DNA. 
um, because of the, the past history of, you know, dealing with Imperial China and then being, you know, so brutalized by Japanese, Japanese colonialism and then going through the Korean War um, and basically being, you know, an American subjugate for a number of years and things. And so they've just had to persist through time. And so when these emergencies come up, it's just like, okay, let's hunker down um let's let's wait it out let's just deal with it and so um from the very beginning i think it was spurred on by a lot of fear people were really 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 scared a lot of my korean friends were absolutely petrified and so it was it was just stay home like don't go out um i had to be out um for one of my jobs during this time so i had to take public transport and you know, I was on the subway during rush hour when normally would just be like shoulder to shoulder packed. And I had a whole bank of seats to myself. Huh. Like it was huh. so empty. So people just did what they thought was necessary. Um, and then other little things as well. You know, I think a lot of people stopped going out to restaurants, stopped going to um, their churches. They stopped uh, congregating in public. They just stayed home. Um, which was great. And then also in public, a lot of people have been wearing masks. So face masks are just a common sort of feature of society here. We would normally wear them in spring anyways because of the air pollution issues. Um, so there's no aversion to wearing face masks. There's no debate about it here. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of the, the data is emerging now that it does help stop the spread from asymptomatic carriers. And I actually know about a case specifically relating to that where somebody here in Busan, where I live, went for a job interview um, at a quite large, prominent private academy. Um, and she was infected at the time but didn't spread it to anyone because, you know, she was wearing a mask and gloves when she went in. And so it was a situation where she didn't give it to anybody at all. Is there like a specific thing that people compare it to? Is there some like cultural reference that people make between this and, and something else? And part of the reason I ask is, I think here people have had trouble just processing what this is. It's, it just seems so new and different and people aren't sure whether to take it seriously. And I think it's just taken a while to sort out, like how do we even understand what this thing is? Yeah, I think, I think it's been also really difficult for Western nations. And that was an observation that I made at first is that a lot of the rhetoric coming out of places like Western Europe and North America was that, you know, this virus isn't going to change our way of life. And the response was very much in lines with how people responded to terrorism, which is the other giant existential threat of our time. Whereas in Korea, it was kind of like, you know, even from the beginning when we had under 30 cases, people were starting to wear masks and people were just like, okay, you know, this can spread. It was seen very quickly as like, yeah, this can get out of hand. And people, I think, were keeping a closer eye on what was going on in China from, from the get-go. Oh, this can come here. And it did. One concrete thing that they did that the U.S. hasn't been able to do is test a lot of people. Right, um, yeah. Can you give some insight? I mean, I know you're not like a doctor or anything, but can you give whatever insight you can into how that was executed, how so many tests were able to be done so quickly? They actually started to run out of tests very quickly. 
And so it was just that we have a need, let's make more tests. And so they put into place, you know, South Korea has excellent manufacturing and production um, and the ability to make this medical equipment. And so they just shifted their resources into making these test kits and perfecting them. And South Korea as well has um, a very uh, controlled education system in terms of what jobs people get funneled into. So there are a lot of engineers and there are a lot of medical professionals. And the majority of those medical professionals aren't just educated here, but they're also educated abroad. So they bring a lot of experience with them. And so I think that fact that resource you know and ability to tap that really really helped and you know within three i think it was three weeks time they were just pumping out these test kits and they're like okay let's just keep production going 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 because we need them we need them we need them and then what was the criteria to, to get tested who was getting tested um in the very beginning it was anybody with a travel history to hubai or wuhan symptomatic or asymptomatic right and then also uh, if they were showing symptoms um, and they were quite strict because they didn't want everybody showing up for a test. Um, but even then, the folks who wanted to be tested for peace of mind could still pay. Okay. And I've heard varying reports on how much that costs. Uh, I know one of my friends, he personally went to get a test um, and the cost out of pocket was about, I think the equivalent of about $25 US. Oh yeah. They, yeah they, so they, they, there's heard, like 200 million Americans who would be doing that if they could pay 25 bucks. Well, were you tested? I have not been. Um, I've not shown any symptoms. Um, so, and I'm not as worried here in Busan because we have so few cases. As a Canadian, mm -hmm. living through that there, have you thought like, okay, countries are different, everybody deals with things a little differently, but if we were in Canada, it would probably be about the same. Or has it been, oh my goodness, this is not the way we would be doing it? Um, I think more of the latter, but in a good way. Um, the Canada has a universal healthcare system, um, but it's, you know, um, not been functioning properly for for a number of years one of the things i was really really worried about when this started to become an issue here was you know just things like emergency wait times and in hospital transmission of the virus because the you know you show up at an emergency room in canada and you're you're waiting for hours to see a doctor usually um it's almost impossible to get uh an appointment within a week or two weeks time with you know your local gp and so those were really really big concerns for me korea's is a little bit of a hybrid we do have to pay some money mm -hmm. and so i've been very impressed with how they've been able to handle it here the resources they've made available to people. You know, we get constant text messages um, through the emergency alert system, but they're telling us things like, here's the phone number to call if you think you have symptoms. So an ambulance can come pick you up and bring you to the hospital if you don't have a car because we don't want you taking public transport. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or here's a phone number to call if you're having mental health issues related to this outbreak. So. Those are things that I'm just kind of in awe of. I don't think um, 
I don't know. I, I don't think I, I would have encountered that kind of response or efficiency if I was still in Canada. Does it feel like it's returned to normal there? Uh, n no. Um, we're getting a lot of messages through our kind of emergency alert system, encouraging us to social distance now, um, and saying this time is kind of crucial. So it feels like a little bit of what's being encouraged in the West has now started to influence and make an impact here. You, so you, you weren't getting those warnings three weeks ago? No, not really. It was it was just kind of like the messages that we were getting were more so based around um, tracking the movements of known infected people. So anytime somebody was reported as infected, we would get basically a two or three day itinerary um, about them. Like they've been here, they've been here, they've been here from this time to this time. This is how they traveled. This is, you know, where they went. Um, so that people could choose to avoid those places or, you know, um, report themselves at the hospital as having been in those places at the same time to be tested. But social distancing uh -huh. wasn't part of the formula. It was just everybody stay home. Yeah, everybody just kind of did it. <laughs> so uh, it that's a new trick. It wasn't until it really like social distancing flattened the curve. I didn't hear any of that language really until it kind of became popular in the West and it's been imported over here. You know, this whole stay at home thing, um, hashtags yeah. and stuff like that appearing on social media. It's very much a, a recent phenomenon and it's been popping up more so um, since it became popular in like the US and Canada and Western Europe. But um, amongst people here i'm finding that folks are kind of splitting into two categories so some folks are i think really internalizing the fear that is very prevalent in the west right now and um you when know, you say prevalent really, in the west it feels more prevalent in the west than there right yeah because it's it's not as intense here as it was a lot of people are starting to kind of get back to routine um, you know, go out, uh, be in public again. And we'll see. We'll see if this kind of lack, because people aren't really following this social distancing recommendation. They are not. Not, not a ton. Um, not to the level I think the government would appreciate. So we'll see in about two to three weeks if the virus resurges or not. Um, but for the time being, the majority of, or not, I shouldn't say majority, but a lot of our new cases are actually folks returning from abroad. Um, there's been a couple of high profile cases of uh, foreigners came into the country, ignored quarantine, ran around for a few days before, you know, being properly tested and stuff. Um, and so that's been difficult to deal with as a foreigner. Um, okay. Because now people. Oh, you're getting hassled. Yeah, people will like shout at me in public and be like, "Go home, you know, virus carrying foreigner." I'm just really? Like, okay, hi, have a great day. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> they shout it in English or Korean? Yeah, in Korean. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so they assume you at least can speak Korean. It's flattering in a way. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice that they think I understand everything. Stefan, uh, thanks for taking the time chatting us through. It's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting, like the similarities and differences. So uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Happy to chat. In the couple weeks uh, since we spoke, the curve has stayed flat. 
uh, in South Korea, which is good news. The one piece of uh, kind of troubling news, though, was several dozen uh, patients that South Korean health officials say uh, were reactivated, which means uh, they had it, they were cured of it, and then somehow uh, they have it again. They're not sure why. It's a relatively small number, uh, but it's something that uh, South Korea and I think health officials around the world are looking at carefully. Uh, in the weeks ahead, for us, uh, we're going to uh, speak to folks in Taiwan, uh, China, and also Washington State, uh, which was the first uh, part of the U.S. to have to deal with coronavirus. Some interesting perspective on uh, what it's like being ahead of the curve within the same uh, country. Uh, we are now on all the kind of podcasting things, as far as I know, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, uh, Spotify. We're posting to Facebook. We're on YouTube. So uh, wherever you can find us, and uh, I guess rate and review, and there's another one. What is it? It's rate, review, subscribe. Do however many of those things you can, and I'll appreciate it. Uh, until then, uh, until next Monday, thanks for tuning in, and hope to see you then. Stay well.